strangers, welcome to Iroh's Corner, a space where we agree with Uncle Iroh that sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. Today I'm joined by Mary Allen, founder and owner of Ramblin' Rose PDX. If you've been listening for a while, you may remember in episode 15 with Jan and Lacey from Happy Campers, my tips was talking about visiting Ramblin' Rose and having her purple one, hibiscus and marionberry ice cream, which was absolutely phenomenal. As someone who can't have dairy, I'm always on the hunt for new dairy-free ice cream. And when I found Ramblin' Rose, I was just over the moon Plus, everything is gluten-free, and every week I can't wait to see what new creation she has and try to stop by and try it out. I'm so excited that Mary is here to join us today to talk all things ice cream. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show today, Mary. So excited for you to be here. I'm excited to be here. Very excited. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I would love if you could start out by just telling us about Ramblin' Rose. If we were to stop by your truck, what would you be serving up? I have a vegan ice cream truck called Ramblin' Rose. And well, I started with only vegan soft serve, uh, but lately I've been branching out to include hard ice cream, like scoops and pints. I make ice cream that I want to eat and it's all vegan. For the most part, nut-free, all gluten-free, soy-free, and usually corn-free, but sometimes I do like to use bourbon in like jams and stuff. So for the most part, I just try and make ice cream that's accessible to almost everyone. Like if you're lactose intolerant, if you're got nut allergies, if you have a gluten intolerance or allergic to soy, I like to provide ice cream that everyone can eat. Nice. I love that. And you also have other unique creations like you do like floats and like sundays. Can you tell us a yeah, little bit about those definitely. options? I actually just started the floats back in December of 2020 and And I had had like kind of a vision for doing those for a long time and finally was able to like come up with something in December. I got my soda stream and so I could just make soda to order. And yeah, I do. So I make floats and usually with the vegan soft serve, but I, you know, I don't like to place limits on my customers' imaginations. So if like they want a scoop or if they want to like mix and match, soda to ice cream. I am all for that. Yeah, I also have Sundays and that's a collaboration between me and another small local business. And yeah, I usually center the Sunday specials around my soft serve flavor for the week, but I do Sundays with my scoops also. And yeah, I work with a local raw, vegan, gluten-free treat maker and her name is Allie and her business name is Tumay. And yeah, I tried her brownies like, I I don't know, probably in the spring of 2020 for the first time ever. And I have been actually like just waiting for like a raw vegan gluten-free brownie to like come in my life. I guess I had kind (laughs) of been like manifesting it because I always wanted to do brownie Sundays, but I didn't, I didn't want to personally like venture into like raw vegan treats like you know that's not (laughs) my truth as a pastry person like I just I really like ice cream and I didn't want to like lose focus but yeah I tried one of her brownies and I was just like oh and the initial one I tried was 
a rose cardamom flavor. Mm. Yeah. And I was just like, this is, this is my aesthetic. This is everything. This is exactly what I want. And so, yeah, I connected with Allie and yeah, now we just really vibe. We have kind of like the same, I don't know, views on food. Like we just believe that food can be medicinal and it, you know, desserts don't necessarily need refined sugar and we can, you know, plants are medicine and, you know, making food that can be enjoyed by many people. We just like agree on those things and she's very creative and I feel like she's really smart. And so I can just like call her and be like, Hey, let's, let's do a brownie or a blondie with like this kind of vibe just use this kind of fruit and just get crazy do whatever you want like whatever you think will taste good and she always brings something that's beautiful and yeah I love making brownie sundays with her (laughs) nice yeah I was telling Mary before we started recording just for listeners that this last weekend I was able to try her saffron nectarine soft serve which she then had a ginger syrup lemon curd and then it was paired with a tomei bar that was also had a nectarine on top and vegan cream cheese and oh my word it was just out of this world insane so every time i see your guys's latest collaboration it's i'm always just like oh my word i need that in my life it looks amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah i i feel the same way i'm so lucky like usually she'll make like a smaller one like throw a smaller one in the batch and the you know, I always take the small one for myself and to see what it's like. And yeah, this one to me tasted almost like a peach or a nectarine cake or something. Mm -hmm. Oh man. And she had the pretty little edible flowers on it too, which is yeah yeah, to die for. I love that. Awesome. Can you tell us about where people can find you in the Portland area and then also for social media and everything? How can they follow you? Okay. So my physical location of my truck is within in the Shady Pines Vegan Food Court, and that's located at Northeast 42nd and Emerson. It's just a block south of North Killingsworth. And my social media, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at ramblin underscore rose underscore PDX. And then I believe I'm Ramblin' Rose PDX on Facebook as well. And um, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't really post anything that's relevant <laughs> to my ice cream on it. <laughs> I'm usually just reposting cool stuff that happens in Portland <laughs> if I mm-hmm. happen to use it. So, But I think that one's also Ramblin' Rose <laughs> PDX. So I'm pretty easy to find. I feel it's the same over all my social medias. Perfect. And is there anything coming up later this year for Ramblin' Rose that you want to share about? Yeah, I'm hoping to get my ODA licensing later this year. I'm switching commissary kitchens and I'm moving into one that is already licensed. And the ODA license is what you need in order to sell your food product in like grocery stores or co-ops. And definitely if you want to sell through other restaurants or anything like that. So I've spent the last year uh, in 
a kitchen that I'm the only person that uses it. And it's been really nice. I can like kind of use whatever hours I want, but it's been really good for honing my recipes because you need to have your recipes down to have them consistent every time. So when you go to apply for your ODA license, you're writing down like how much of each ingredient you use and you're explaining your process. And I think this year and the last little bit of 2020 has been really good in like helping me figure out just how much, just how I need to hone in each recipe, I guess. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm hopefully going to be moving into my new kitchen in September. And then I'm just gonna probably wait until it gets a little bit cooler to apply for my ODA license, just because I want to have that going for the winter. So that because business really dies down for food trucks in general, in the winter times, you know, summer is the time for all the food carts, not just ice cream. So I'm trying to do this to generate some income in the winter. I'm looking forward to that. That's probably the big thing that's happening for Emily Rose. Like hopefully I can get into a few local co-ops and then and maybe some cute little vegan grocery stores. And yeah, then and also there's a few restaurants that want to use some of my stuff. So I'll definitely keep you posted on where I end up <laughs> with that. But yeah, that's my main thing for the winter and what's coming up for me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So going into kind of your ice cream origins, I guess, could you, you mentioned on your website that you have loved ice cream from a very young age. Can you tell us about that and how you kind of fell in love with ice cream? Yeah, I don't remember the first time I had ice cream. I think I was very little, but I... I'm a twin. So Mm. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I have a twin brother. And he's like, definitely like a more picky eater. And my mom told us, you know, this was like our little story. She would always tell me this. And she was like, yeah, I gave you both vanilla ice cream. And it was too cold for Chris. He didn't like it. But you ate all yours. And then uh, since he didn't eat his, you got to eat his too. And you loved it. And uh, yeah, it's just (laughs) been ever since like, I just remember I have all these like fond memories of like, there was a TCBY up the street, which is like very 90s. I don't know if you remember the world's, wait, the country's best yogurt, I think is what yeah, it's yeah. yeah. So they had the frozen yogurt. That was, I guess frozen yogurt was like a big deal in like the late 80s, early 90s. That was like very trendy. Yeah, we had one that was just like right up the street from our house, kind of in between us and church. And so anytime we went to church on like a Saturday night instead of a Sunday morning, we always got TCBY after. And yeah, I nice. just remember that they had like this giant ice cream cone sign outside. And I just I, I loved it. I just remember always driving by it and thinking it was super cool. And yeah, those are some of my most fond memories of uh, growing up with ice cream. There was some maybe some classes missed in high school too oh, regarding yeah, ice cream, for right? Sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I probably could have been doing a lot worse things in high school. But my best friend and I, we would always cut class to go get ice cream at this place called Brewster's. I think it's more of like an East Coast chain. But and they always have like special deals and stuff. So like, if it was raining, you could, I think they would either give you like a 
free waffle cone or you would get a free scoop or something silly like that or it was half off. It was just something funny. So anytime we like showed up to school and it was raining, we would just be like, you know what, we should just go to Brewster's and get that free scoop or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We definitely ate a lot of ice cream. Me and my best friend would always just, yeah, cut class to get ice cream. It was silly. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us about when you moved to Portland and I believe you had a friend who kind of showed you around Portland and then also happened to have an ice cream truck. Can you tell us about that? Right. So I met him probably, I think, in February 2011 when I was just visiting here. And then I moved in April 2011, so a few months later. And he was one of the only people I knew when I moved here. And he had been living here for a really long time. And he introduced me to last Thursdays, he would take me to just all the fun Portland things that like, I feel like you don't know until you're here. And yeah, he, uh, he showed me around and kind of just worked for him as like an assistant. And he he was just like a creative, he was an artist. And he, he just always had a bunch of like creative projects happening. And I think his ideas often were like, they were very grand and perhaps lacked a lot of focus that were (laughs) that was needed to you know finish uh whatever it was he had started and yeah I was in culinary school probably like the whole first year that I lived here and he knew that and um he we would talk food all the time and he showed me this ice cream truck that he had and you know it was (sighs) It was just a metal box. Um, It was was cute. It had like a 90s aesthetic. It was like, it was still, it had the 90s paint job. It was like very cute, but it was definitely worn down, had seen better days. And yeah, my friend passed away in... 2012 and no one really wanted this piece of junk ice cream truck and I think I was really the only person who had ever even spoken to him about the ice cream truck or like tried to help him like make some plans or you know just do anything with it and I guess everyone who is our mutual friends that were handling the estate his estate after he passed away they were like we just don't know what to do with this and so uh they I was like okay well you know I'll take it. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, they uh they brought it over to me and I'll I'll have to send you some pictures of what it looked like in the beginning cuz it was uh rough <laughs> to say the least. But yeah, I I let it sit in the driveway. I for like a few years, I have no mechanical skills at all. I don't know anything about cars or tools or <laughs> anything really. So, we started just kind of like sanding down, sanding out the rust and painting over it and just like cleaning it. And yeah, got to a point where I was just like, you know, all of the things that need to happen to this truck now, uh, there's no way I can do. I need to hire somebody at this point. And so I came across this business in Eugene and it's called Nasty Works and they build out food trucks. And I spoke with them and I had my truck towed there so that they could start working on it. And it was a slow process just because it was everything was very expensive, especially for me in my early 20s. So like everything was very slow to happen. 
in and I could only pay for a project at a time. There was no like, here's a lot of money, make the truck. You know, it was like, okay, first it's 1500 for a door and then it'll be 3000 for the framework to be redone. And then 1000 to get all the food grade paneling on the inside. And then, then I'll pay for the appliances. And yeah, it was just, it took a long time for me, but we stuck it out. I'm really grateful that they they were kind enough to keep working with me for how slow it was. Because I think most people, when they approach businesses like that, they're just like, here's the money, give me back my finished truck in a few months. And that's the way it goes. But for me, it was like years of like, oh, here's some more money, do the next thing, here's some more money, do the next thing. So they were very kind to keep working with me because I don't I don't think I would have wanted to keep doing that. <laughs> it would have been kind of annoying, I imagine, to have just this truck that sits there for a few months. And then finally, we get to do another project on it. And then that just a cycle. Yeah, 2018, they finished it and I picked it up and it became what you see today. Wow, that's such a neat legacy that that you you lost your your friend, but you've been able to kind of continue the truck and continue to work on it and make that happen. So that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. How did you, in the meantime, what, before the truck was finished, what, what kind of work were you doing in the interim? I was mostly working in restaurants. I was mostly working as like a baker. For a while, I worked at Castagna. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, it's uh, fine dining, I would say. Okay. And yeah, I worked there as a bread baker for probably almost a year. And then I just, I worked as a baker for a long time. So like I did culinary school and then I just worked as a bread baker, graveyard shift baker at cafes. Yeah, a lot of baking. A lot of like early mornings, a lot of uh, <laughs> graveyard shift. Yeah. I, and I still love that. I do enjoy baking. But yeah, uh, my focus has definitely shifted. Yeah. So, okay. So the truck is done, ready to go. What does it look like to get started? You have to find a place to set up. You have to find a place to make your ice cream. Tell us about the actual getting started process. So yeah, in 2018, let's see, I guess, so my parents came to visit from South Carolina in 2018, probably in like March or April or something like that. And we basically like just while they were here, we just drove around and like looked at different food cart pods. And it was really just Craigslist searches. And we were driving by carts on Foster and there was a sign out front that said space available. And so I went in and spoke with the owner and told him about what I had going on. I didn't actually have the truck in my possession yet. It was still in Eugene. But yeah, I went in and I actually... I had lived in the Foster Powell neighborhood. I had lived there in probably 2012. So I was actually in 2013. Uh, so I was actually already familiar with the pod and it had actually grown a good bit since I had lived there. And yeah, I went and spoke to the owner and I was like, yeah, I 
I would love to be here. I'm, you know, I was pretty familiar with the area. And so I moved into Cartson Foster in probably like May 2018. And I probably didn't open my business until after Labor Day. I started trying to use the Mercado. I knew nothing. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I just had so many ideas and I think I didn't have enough focus, but I would go down to the Mercado and try out recipes. And then I would just run it through the soft serve machine and to see what worked and what didn't. And I eventually came up with like a, a little formula for soft serve and I opened and I don't think I had like any customers, but like my close friends for <laughs> quite a few days. But yeah, it, it eventually, you know, it just started to, I would start getting a few more and a few more and a lot of people who are like lactose intolerant in the area. And yeah, it, the first year was done definitely slow and humbling, but I learned a lot. And yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's always a process. It's always, there's always more to learn about it, but I definitely, definitely still had so much to learn in 2018 when I opened. Now I feel like I kind of have leveled out and I understand a lot more. <laughs> and yeah, I stayed at Carts on Foster for probably like, I was there for 2018 and 2019. And then in the fall of 2019, I met up with the owners of Bat Squatch and now also Shady Pines to talk to them about Shady Pines because it was just going to be this new thing. And a lot of my friends had actually contacted me saying, like, look, there's this guy who's looking for vegan food carts to put in his vegan food cart pod. And I was like, oh, that sounds like where I need to be. So I went and met up with him and we just decided that was a good move. So I moved my truck to Shady Pines in probably the fall of 2019. And then Shady Pines didn't officially open until like February 2020. So it kind of, you know, just sat there for a few months. But yeah, business has definitely improved since I moved to Shady Pines, for sure, for sure. Nice. And I'm curious, just like logistically, what when you're part of a food cart pod, I assume you have to pay some sort of rent. And then do you get access to water or refrigeration? And like with your ice cream, like you make the ice cream at the kitchen. And then how do you get it to the cart? I'd love to hear more just kind of about the logistics. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we do pay rent and we pay for our utilities and not every pot is the same. Like carts on foster is definitely different from shady pines, but yeah, all the carts pay rent and a utilities fee and utilities usually include your fresh water, your gray water pickup. If you know, if you need that, some places have a gray water dump on site and then it's your trash pickup it's your electricity and yeah i think that's about it but the utilities are added on top of that on top of your rent and then i also use a commissary kitchen to make my hard scoopable ice cream and just because it requires a totally different machine that I don't have space for in my tiny little truck. So I go to my commissary kitchen to make pints and gallons for scooping. And then I I have Yeti coolers <laughs> that I mm. use. Yeah, big fan of Yeti. I think most ice cream people are. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a few Yeti coolers and I just, I usually go to my kitchen, my commissary kitchen, and I'll 
spend like a whole day in there making ice cream. And the process for that is, you know, you make your ice cream base, you run it through the machine, and then you have to put it in the freezer. And you can't really, it's not usable until it's been frozen solid. So you usually have to just let it stay in the freezer overnight. And so yeah, then I'll go back the next morning and load up my Yeti coolers and bring it all to Shady Pines. Nice. That's awesome. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably figured out at this point that Live Bar is a sponsor of Iro's Corner and that I've worked at Live Bar for about three years. And it always amazes me, even after all this time, how different Live Bars are than other products on the market. It sounds really silly because every product thinks that they're different, but so much of my day is spent working on finding compostable packaging. And when I talk to other people in the industry, they're like, how do you have compostable packaging? And that's something that we just have done since the beginning and we make it happen. Or I work really hard to find local ingredients like blueberries that are organic, non-GMO, gluten-free. We don't allow any gluten in our manufacturing facility. So those things like that, that I look at other facilities and I talk to other people and I'm like, wow, Lip Bar really is different. And it's baked. When I go into work, we have ovens going and it smells like fresh baked delicious cookies. And those are Live Bars getting packaged up, being put out to the world, ready for you to help fuel your adventures. They're a seed-based bar, which means no super hard nuts that are going to break your teeth, especially as we get into the colder seasons, and packed with superfood and immunity-boosting ingredients that are good for you and actually taste good somehow. Somehow Live Bars taste good despite all of the good things packed in them. If you're tired of searching the never-ending energy bar section at the grocery store that's super confusing, you don't have to anymore. Just go to livebar.com, use code T20 just for Iro's Corner listeners. That's T-E-A-20 for 20% off your order, even if you've ordered before, and get a box of Live Bars. Try them out, take them wherever you go, use them as fuel, and see how they're so much different in your life and how they taste good, you feel good after you eat them, and you feel good about what you're doing for the planet because the packaging is compostable. Let me know if you give them a try. I have to ask, because every time I go to your truck, I notice that you've got Beanie Babies and some <laughs> trolls on on the tray in front of the, right. the truck. Is there a story behind having those? Yeah, like I had trolls when I was little. I didn't have very many Beanie Babies. But, you know, I like the idea of having my ice cream truck be like a place for like a place where everyone is welcome to be nostalgic about their childhood. I feel like I I didn't really have Beanie Babies uh, growing up, but I do remember I really wanted the tie-dye Beanie Babies. I really, really <laughs> wanted those tie-dye Beanie Babies, but they were kind of expensive. So I never got them. But a few years ago, <laughs> my husband and I were helping his parents move out of their house. And they were just like, you know, we were finding all the toys that him and his siblings had. His little sister had the tie-dye Beanie Babies. And I saw them <laughs> when we were moving. And I was like, oh my God, I always wanted these. <laughs> I was saying this to, <laughs> to my mother-in-law. I was like, I always wanted these. Oh, they're so cute. I 
can't believe Abby, his little sister, had these. That's awesome. And yeah, his mom was just like, you can have them. And so I started just putting them out on my little service window tray. And one day, one of my regular customers came up to me and she was like, you know, I actually have a bag of Beanie Babies that I'm never going to use. Someone gave it to me and I'm happy to give it to you if you like Beanie Babies. And I was, you know, I never really had a thing for Beanie Babies except for the tie-dye ones, but I was like, sure, you know, whatever. And she brought me a garbage bag of Beanie Babies. (laughs) And (laughs) some of them are kind of weird, but there were a lot of cool ones in there. There was like a jellyfish. There was a bunch more bears. You know, there was like a blue jay. Yeah, a little husky dog. The flamingo too. Yeah, and so I... Yeah, they're all my little friends that hang out with me. I also got these trolls. Actually, the trolls are kind of a recent purchase because I had a troll that was just my little travel buddy for like almost a decade and I lost him somewhere in California and yeah I just I always have loved trolls I think they're so cute and I I lost my little troll friend and this past year I was like this I need trolls in my life again mm-hmm. and I ordered one vintage troll that matched my truck he's got the orange hair with the orange belly button jewel and then I ordered I found this artist that takes trolls and like you know replaces their hair with silly things like plants or crystals or yeah little fake flowers or just very cute things so I really wanted one of her lavender trolls so I got one of them recently (laughs) I had been eyeing them and they always would sell out before I could get to it so I finally was able to get one and this is just me appeasing my inner child (laughs) 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 buying (laughs) buying trolls for myself but yeah I just I feel like I'm a millennial I grew up in the 90s and I just kind of like that theme of like 90s toys and I don't know I just it's fun or every time someone who's around my age comes up to the window and says like something like oh my god I haven't seen Beanie Babies in so long or like Beanie Babies like it's just you know I feel like there's just this connection like they're just like they're having a recovered memory of like something good from their childhood and I really like that and yeah, I think people who are around the same age generally like see these toys. They just have like good fond memories of, you know, being a kid. And I think that's kind of what I want to, that's definitely my vibe. I just want people to like have fun. I just want people to feed their inner child every time they come up to the window. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm a I was a big Beanie Baby fan as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I can relate. Yeah, this relates into I you posted recently, you said, I'm pretty sure in my business plan, I wrote that a key demographic is adults that never grew up. It's more than just ice cream. It's an opportunity for you to heal your inner child. And I thought that was just so cool. And that ties exactly into what you've been sharing about. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, like just probably most people have fond memories tied to ice cream and being little. And I, yeah, I've just, that's exactly what I wanted to harness in my ice cream truck. I think in my business, planet might have said something more like adults that never grew up but whose tastes have <laughs> grown up you know so like mm-hmm. it's like I don't I have things that maybe kids will like but I feel like I cater more towards people who are my age generally and yeah like I just you know and maybe 
sprinkles just like don't have flavor like you know it's I don't I don't think they're necessary like they're cute to look at but you know I would rather have like an infused sugar or flower petals or something you know that's just like more flavorful elements to your ice cream and not just like sprinkles but you know it's still pretty like sprinkles because definitely as you grow up you try more things you develop a palate and you just have more elevated tastes as you age yeah I just want to like invite everybody to be a kid and like I don't want there to be limits on what the dessert you can create I just want you to like have the ice cream you've always wanted you know and so I just I feel like it's just very important as an ice cream truck and I think most of the ice cream business owners in Portland are kind of the same as me like I just feel like they are still kind of like kids at heart I feel like that's what you need to be successful in ice cream is just feeding children like even if you're a grown-up child. <laughs> like, I feel like it's still something that needs to be fed for all people. I just want to invite everybody to be a kid, to be nostalgic for a moment, to take a little vacation from their adult life or work life or whatever. That's my goal. That's like, yeah, my business mission. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. You mentioned briefly some of the, like, you use edible flowers and you just use so many cool and interesting ingredients. Can you share about some of your favorite things to to use and you like to source local fruits. And I'd love to just kind of hear more about your process of choosing and finding flavors and some of your favorite ingredients or even ice cream flavors you've worked on. Yeah, I definitely like in the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to have sprinkles. Like I was just like, (laughs) there's no way. not for me. But I was like, you know, I love flowers. That's also kind of my theme with Ramblin' Rose. It's just like we're in the Rose City. You know, my first restaurant job here in Portland, like I, I never really like ate many flowers. I think I, you know, had had things with lavender in it before, but like I never had really like eaten rose petals or anything like that. I don't think in my first real job in the restaurant world here in Portland, they had tiny little garden beds outside the restaurant and pastry chef like took a few petals off of a rose and she was like, here, eat this. And I did. And I was like, what? Like... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, where where has this been all my life? Like, why haven't I been eating flowers all this time? Yeah, outside of tea, I don't think I had ever really eaten any flowers. And so I I was just like, it was just a moment, you know, light bulb went off. And I was like, Oh, man, I need to like, this is what I need to be doing. Like, I need to like be adding this to ice cream. And I was just like, this is this is it. You know, there's a lot of lavender here in the Pacific Northwest. Rosemary is so abundant. Roses, obviously, very abundant. There's just a lot of like edible herbs that I had never really had access to in this way before. And so I was just like, yes, like I love flowers and now I love them even more because I can eat them. And that's how I really wanted flowers to be like the main theme of my ice cream truck. But then also, yeah, like just the local fruit here is just so great. Like I had never had probably 80% of the berries that grow here. I didn't know that huckleberries were actually a real thing. Like I thought it was just a name of a person in a book, you know, like I really didn't know there were actual huckleberries or gooseberries or marionberries, boysenberries, like tayberries, all of it. Like I had no idea. (laughs) Like I didn't know about any of these. I only knew of blackberries and moving here opened up my world. I loved the pastry chef at that first restaurant I worked at also introduced me to Baird Family Orchards. We went to a farmer's market one day and she was like, 
that's bare. That's the only place you get stone fruit from here in, oh, in wow. Portland, you know, and I was, I heard those words and took that to heart. And even before I opened the truck, it was still always where I would get my peaches here, nectarines and cherries and stuff. So when I officially opened, it still stayed the place that I would get stone fruit. And it really wasn't even until just a few days ago that I met the owner of Baird. And I was like, you know, I've used your stuff every year, like in my ice cream. <laughs> like I love it. Cause like, yeah, I had gotten to the farmer's market super late. I was like, Oh man, I'm not going to get these nectarines for this week's flavor. Oh my gosh. I hope they're still open or they can at least talk to me and tell me where I can get some before <laughs> Thursday. And so I went up there in the Shemansky farmer's market on Wednesday. And I was like, Oh, I know you're packing up. (laughs) I'm super late. But is there any way I can get some nectarines? And I was just like, they don't have to be the pretty ones. They can be the ugliest ones you have. I'm just gonna puree them and add them to ice cream. So it literally doesn't matter what they look like. And it turned out I was actually talking with one of the owners. And he was really friendly. He was like, Oh, you know, that's so cool. You use it in your ice cream. And you know, he cut me a deal. They've always been like, very cool about that. They mark it down a lot more for if you get the ugly ones, obviously. Yeah, they also are very like, they like to make it easier for restaurants. So like anytime I go up there, I do tell them I'm I'm with the restaurant and they'll, you know, knock off a few bucks. They'll make it like an even $30 or whatever, you know? So yeah, they're always very kind. And the owner was just really nice. I was like, I mean, you guys actually follow me on Instagram. And he was like, we do? Well, maybe my wife's bare account does and he he (laughs) signed in and he looked at it he was like oh yeah okay cool like you know I was like I use your stuff at least a few times a year like I I absolutely love it I was like sad I missed the apricots this year it was bad year for apricots with the heat I think it was good year for peaches and nectarines so yeah I definitely I love Baird let's see who else do I source fruit from I usually just I generally like to stay local I source local fresh flowers from a farm on Savi's Island it's called Wapato Island Farms and the woman who owns it she lets different people kind of like rent out a little plot of land to garden on. So Allie with Tume actually grows some herbs and stuff up there as well. And then I get a lot of fresh flowers, edible flowers from Rise Blooms, which is another local company owned by my friend Lindsay Trapp. And she grows a lot of edible flowers. She makes like beautiful bouquets for events and all different things. And, but I met her last year and I was just like, if you ever have like edible flowers, like calendula, borage, like any rose, whatever, like I will gladly buy that from you. And I'm probably the only person who uses her edible flowers, like in food and stuff, because she usually grows her flowers more for events and bouquets and fun things like that. But I, I like to source local herbs and flowers from Savi's and Wapato Island. I've also gotten flowers from the side yard farm too, which is actually just like a block away from Shady Pines. And yeah, I've made friends with some of the farmhands over there and they're really great. They come see me weekly, but yeah, I've gotten flowers from them, like some violets and things like that. It's important to me to use local when I can. And even if it's something that isn't great, grown locally. I still like to buy from local businesses, Holy Cacao Chocolate. I buy their cocoa powder. I 
by Jet Black's cold brew coffee. I, yeah, I specifically just, I think it's important to use stuff that's in your community and like keep other businesses thriving. And, you know, it's just a symbiotic relationship. I buy their coffee, they buy my ice cream or like, you know, things, I think things grow way quicker and flourish and thrive for the community if we all just like collaborate and, you know, just keep it local. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. What would you say would be an oddly satisfying part of the job? It could be mundane or simple. It could have to do with making the ice cream. It could be anything really, but something that you may not seem very exciting to someone else maybe, but you get a lot of joy out of it yourself. Yeah, I like the front of the house aspect a lot. I love being by myself in the kitchen and coming up with ideas and making the ice cream. That's one part I thoroughly enjoy, but I also love the front of the house aspect of it too, which I feel like most restaurant managers or owners, they kind of shy away from that. They'll usually hire someone to work the cash register or the wait staff or, you know, whatever. Like, but I really do like talking to the customers. I like figuring out what people like. I love it when people come up and say like, you know, make me whatever is the best. Okay, cool. Like challenge accepted. Let me blow your mind. I love, yeah, I love talking to people. And I do definitely get energy from that. Like it's nice to talk to people in my community and make them a treat. Like it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. So I, I definitely love the front of the house aspect, which I never loved that before in any other restaurant situation. I, uh, I dreaded talking to customers. If that was ever like my job, I hated, waiting on tables. I just like, God, it was just like, that was, it was exhausting in those settings. But now that it's like stuff that I make and stuff that I genuinely want you to be happy, it's something I actually love. And I feel like the people that are attracted to my truck are just like, you know, we're all on the same wavelength. Like people are just really nice. And I feel like it's just really fun to talk to people and come up with a dessert that's like very personalized for them. Mm-hmm. Definitely when when I've interacted with you at your truck, you really exude a compassionate attitude and a creative approach of like, when I'm like, hey, can I try this with this? You're like, oh yeah, like let's do it. Let's try it. Or what if we put some flower petals on there? And like, I love that attitude that you bring. It's always really fun to interact with you. And it feels like as a customer, even though you've done all the creative work, it still feels like, you know, I'm a part of the creative process kind of. And I just- I think it's a really neat vibe that you have. And you even have a sign that says like, if you're overwhelmed, you know, like, just tell me and I'll make you something delicious. And so I I love that compassionate attitude that you really bring of really wanting to serve people and and make them, you know, something like you said, that's going to just like blow their mind deliciousness wise. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I I think sometimes people, you know, if there's like a line, like sometimes people get a little impatient, like waiting in line. But I think it's important like that everyone gets the same amount of attention, you know, like I want everyone to be happy. So even if you're feeling a little antsy in line waiting, like I was taking forever with these this one person who doesn't like a lot of things. And maybe we had to like, I had to run a few ideas by them first, you know, to get something that they would like. I truly want to spend that time with everybody. Like I want everybody to have 
you know, exactly what they want. And so, yeah, like, but I love it when people are like, yeah, let's try this different soft serve and this float. And yes, like I've been waiting for somebody to come up and order that because like, there are no rules here. I want mixing and matching is, you know, more than welcome. Like, I love that. And so I feel like anytime someone comes up and is like, well, can I do this? Can I add this topping to this? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, and they're like, or anytime someone's like, oh, I want to do this. And then they'll be like, is that weird? And I'm like, no, like, it's what you want. <laughs> like, why would it yeah. not be weird? It's probably really good. I mean, I personally haven't tried those flavors together yet, but I don't see why it would be bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I always have to ask everyone, what's your favorite tea to drink? Okay, well, generally, I would say I like Tulsi tea. I like a lot of like floral teas. But more specifically, I like a lot of local tea blends and companies that do that. Like I love uh, Estee tea or Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I love them. I have a few different kinds from them. I love a CBD tea blend from Oracle Wellness Company. I yeah, there's a lot of good local teas. I have a friend who makes tea blends that correlate with astrology or astrological seasons and I really enjoyed those. She gives me some every time the season changes and I really like all of those. They're very different. But yeah, I also love the simple stuff. I love chamomile. I love lavender. I like making my own blends sometimes and a little French press or something. But there's not a lot of tea I don't like. But yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot that I do like. But floral stuff is really good. And yeah, there's a lot of local floral blends that I'm really into. We live in a great place for tea. That's for sure. Definitely. The moment you mentioned Tulsi, I was like, I bet she loves Esthete tea. Because I mm-hmm. actually, at the time of us recording, it hasn't come out yet. But it will have come out. Brianna from Esthete will have been a guest on the podcast at this oh, point. Cool. So cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and she uses lots of Tulsi. Yeah. Which is awesome. So yeah, I love that. I love hearing other people's tea recommendations. I love tea. So it's always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the the golden milk blend that they have. And also the moonlight blend is really good. But then yeah, anything that has the Tulsi I'm about. Yeah. And I do like that. I not only see Estia tea in like a new seasons, but I'll go to like the come through market or just like a moon market or something like that. And I will see her blends at other places. And not not just the new seasons. I like that Estate is in like a lot of like small local markets too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Portland, it's fun that there's lots of little local markets and places, and you can find so many different fun new things. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty great. Definitely. All right. So our final segment is tips and dregs. So tea tips being the sweet part of the tea and dregs being the grains at the bottom of the cup. Thinking over your last week, kind of as a tea. What would be the tip or a highlight? And then what would be kind of a drag or kind of a... Yeah, and we'll, we can start with dregs and go back and forth. Okay, we'll start with the dregs. Okay, well, I guess the dreg from this past week was just that the weather was not super warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It was a little bit slower than usual, but the the high points would definitely be that, you know, I, w- I did one of my favorite flavors this week and that a lot of people got to try it for the first time. There were a lot of people visiting from out of town who were like, oh, I don't know what I want. Like, will you just make me something? And I was like, okay, you got to try this, you know? So I was able to get a lot of people to try a nectarine saffron soft serve. And I, you know, also just finally meeting and talking to one of 
of the owners at Baird was uh, another highlight for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for me, let's see. For dregs, I've been having a really hard time sleeping, which is not mm, my favorite yeah. thing. Yeah, last night I was just like, I couldn't get comfortable. I have like the Calm app trying to listen mm, to like sleep stories or whatever. For and sure. Even Mary Berry describing a tea party couldn't help me go to sleep. So. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that fun. But you know, I'm sure I'll get some sleep eventually. And then my tips for the last week. So Saturday was Plum Deluxe, who we've had as a guest, mm. Andy Hayes, the owner um, had PlumCon, their online tea festival for the first time ever. And that was just so fun to participate in. We made crafts with Jenna that she has like an uncrafty section where we kind of do crafts poorly. And I definitely was like good at that, <laughs> good at doing crafts poorly. So we did that, learned how to blend some tea and the tea I blended. It wasn't like, you know, plum deluxe or esteet or anything like quality, but it was like, okay, it's drinkable. Like, yeah. I feel like I'll take that as progress. And probably somewhat medicinal too, right? Like, you know, that I mean, most herbs do have, I feel like most teas and herbs do have a medicinal quality to them, even if that's not right. like the general like goal uh, of a blend. I feel like, yeah, you know, even if it's not the best tasting tea, it still has good qualities. Exactly. It had good properties to it. Mm -hmm. So that was good. And then there was like a painting section and then there was a, an auction section auctioning off Jenna's crafts that she had made in these uncrafty sessions where she kind of attempts crafts and that was hilarious. It was like an hour and a half of just it. It was really fun to with the pandemic, not being able to hang out with people that this was like an event where even though I was at home in front of my computer, like you're still laughing with this community of tea lovers online and everyone's having a great time. And it just it was a really nice community feeling that I haven't you know seen as often, I guess, during the pandemic. So that felt really fun this last weekend to get to participate and, and kind of feel a part of a group. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's always nice, especially in times where we're more isolated. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for chatting with me today. And it was wonderful to learn more about Ramblin' Rose and your background. And I'm just really appreciative of you sharing some space with me today. And I look forward to the trying more creations of yours at, at your truck. And yeah, I just appreciate all the, the good that you put out into the world. So thanks again for, for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining today, strangers. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. The tea consumed on today's episode is Wildberry Refresher Herbal Tea by Plum Deluxe. It's a honeybush tea with apple pieces, lavender, strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, rose petals, just seriously all of my favorite things in one tea. The description is, this fruity blend of caffeine-free honeybush tea with summer berries and sun-kissed florals makes a refreshing treat for summer days. Try iced while you lounge with the book in your favorite relaxation spot. Or I also say try it warm because it's delicious that way too. So highly recommend, super tasty. And if you haven't tried Plum Deluxe at all, just in general, you can't go wrong with a Plum Deluxe blend. If you like today's episode, please like, subscribe, share, support us on Patreon, whatever you would like to do to help continue to see more content from Iroh's Corner. In the words of Uncle Iroh, While it is always best to believe in oneself, a little help from others can be a great blessing. Did you hear that? He's definitely drinking tea and thinking about five-star reviews. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach out on any of our social media accounts or at hello at iroscorner.com. See you next time, strangers. Strangers.